The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or a square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand. And we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling Feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ring of Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Hype. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Quarrelbeck, and we are previewing week 12 of the NFL season, which is Thanksgiving, baby. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We're doing a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Just what you wanted. We're doing it super early. We're recording this on Tuesday mm-hmm. because it's Thanksgiving week. So if you missed anything that you're wondering why we're not talking about it, it's because we had this discussion on Tuesday. If you're wondering who to start, who to sit in your fantasy lineups, we are updating those for in time for Thursday. So fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Our rankings will be there. You, could, you know, what better to do Thursday, Thanksgiving, than, you know, set your fantasy football lineups instead of talking to your family. And we'll have those updated again on Sunday ahead of the line, you know, Sunday morning, all the other games. We're going to get to all the games for the weekend on Sunday, Monday in a moment. But just wanted to mention, we've got Packers-Lions, you know, Washington-Dallas, Seahawks-Niners on Thanksgiving. If you're listening, I don't know if you listened before this game, the games happen or after, but I have to ask DK, mm. your Seahawks are playing on the 40, uh, the 49ers on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. And you as a Seahawks fan, I hate when, I hate with the passion of my soul when the Giants play on Thanksgiving. What is your like emotional state with the, your favorite team playing yeah. on Thanksgiving? I mean, it would be better if they weren't playing the most buzzsaw team in the NFL on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think that would right. be like one thing that'd be nice. Um, and then number two, I was going to say that I actually wanted to get your guys' input on this. I'm a I'm an alone watcher. I don't I don't like watching football, especially my own team. I don't like watching with big crowds of people. I like being in my own zone by myself. It's like too stressful. There's like too much going on. I think when I'm watching the Seahawks with like anybody else, I don't. One hundred percent. Like I cannot watch. Like I, I don't. It's so long ago. I feel like I'm dusting off cobwebs. Remember when the Giants played important games? Right, but when the Giants were actually in the playoffs all the time, like the idea of watching Giants games that mattered with people who are not rooting for the Giants is agonizing and doing it on Thanksgiving where you have to like cater to other people you and you're either hosting. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like either at someone else's house where you have to be a normal person and not a psycho watching your favorite team. <laughs> like you plan the whole dinner around it. It's like, oh my God. It's a I like nightmare. to be just, dis- I like to be, I, I, sorry, I don't like to be distracted. I don't like to have to like keep one eye on the game. You know what I mean? And so, this is a not a good situation in terms of the idealness of watching your own team, especially like I said, they're playing the 49ers. Um, so that's that's a tough matchup. You don't even like watching if you're watching like with your dad or a sibling or something, and they are also the fan of the same team. No, not really. <laughs> I, I recognize that that's kind of weird, but like, is it about your team or your family? Like, what about no? Like, it's like any. It's friends? not. It's not anyone specific. So I you would like, not want to watch a Seahawks game with me, DK. Well. I mean, that's different because we're like, we do a podcast together and we like, I don't know. It's totally. Yeah. He, I mean, his work. father, his father created him as, you know, but like <laughs> we have a podcast. I mean, yeah. The bonds, you can't break those bonds, you guys. Uh, but actually it's weirdly enough though, I really do enjoy going to the games. It's just a different 
it's a different vibe. Do you guys think fantasy football improves holiday football or worsens it? Improves. If your players do good, it's like the greatest thing in the world because it's like, but if your players are terrible, then you, I mean, you either have to like, you're the person at Thanksgiving talking about your fantasy players doing terribly. I think it's objectively a bad, a negative for the holidays (laughs) because like when Alvin Kamara ruined everybody's Christmas, including my own, like what was that two years ago (laughs) when he had six touchdowns? Yeah, yeah. I, even if your team is playing well, then you're just the guy who's like locked in on your team and you're not spending any time with your family even though you never see them. I think fantasy football is bad for holidays. It's a necessary <laughs> evil, I guess. But um, I always feel like everyone's annoyed with me if I'm like at the dinner table and my eyes are glancing over at like the Vikings-Packers game because I'm hoping yeah. like Dalvin Cook gets 10 more yards. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the overall take is fantasy is great for friendships and bad for families. It is bad for families, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. You spend like, you know, what do they say? Like you spend the first 18 years of your life you spend with your parents. And then after that, you spend like one year total with your parents in terms of like hours spent. So it's like, to me, Thanksgiving, I'm like, all right, I should actually like focus on being with my family here. And yet I can't help myself, but look (laughs) to see if Rashid Shahid had a good game. Right. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, interest rates right now. I I know, it's buying a house and stuff. And you're like, come on, I throw it deep to her car. Come on! Check down car, damn it! <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, uh, I will say the one nice thing about the uh, Thanksgiving this year is that the Lions, I have to just shout out, I, if you're listening after, maybe they got crushed, I don't know. But I think it's so cool that the Lions are actually good after them being foisted upon us for the last 60 years. And now the Lions, they're favored for the game and on Thanksgiving for the first time since 2016, favored by a touchdown for the first time in a decade. And it's just cool that the Lions are fun. Yeah, but the irony about that is they're playing the Packers who for the first time are bad. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when they couldn't, there's like two ships in the night. Like we couldn't get yeah, one. Exactly. Finally, the lines are good and it's still not going to be a good game. Oh my God. All right. So we're going to go through here. We're going to preview the rest of the games from over the weekend. And we're going to do a little Thanksgiving style. We're going to basically just do our best to compare some of these games here. Just basically to, you know, build a little Thanksgiving plate compared to some Thanksgiving uh, foods, if you will. <laughs> sure. And there is a, uh, there's one obvious one, which is the the turkey of the weekend. The you know the the grand poobah here is is the Bills Eagles game on Sunday. Grand they got the Jim Nance and Romo. It's the main event. Yeah, the main course. They're the turkey, but I would argue the turkey is is nominally the feature dish, the feature hmm. food on the plate. But is it the best? But is it the favorite? I don't think anybody's actually selecting turkey, even no matter how well your dad's turkey recipe pans out. Nobody actually thinks turkey, I think, is, is the best thing on the plate. I think they would pick mashed potatoes or stuffing or whatever else. And I kind of feel that bread. way about this game. I'm like, look, Bill's Eagles sounds great, right? <laughs> Say bread. Yeah, I just did that for Heifetz. It's an inside joke. One day it's, we'll tell that story. The, one day, the, the great bread rift of 2023 that almost ended this, this podcast. This podcast almost oh, it dissolved fine. because of a... a the bread brought us back. Thing. The bread separated us and the bread brought us back together. We broke bread, almost broke, <laughs> broke, broke us. Broke the bread, bread broke a friendship. <laughs> um, but I'm like, look, I, the, the Bills are, you know, in a weird spot right now. The Eagles, despite being having the best record in the NFL, they don't look great. It's still clunky, that game against the Chiefs. Like, they didn't really win that game. The Chiefs more so lost it. Um, so I'm like, is this even the best game of the week, even though it looks like it is on paper? Yeah, the Eagles, the Eagles Chiefs game is weird because the Eagles won and yet they kind of like kind of got smacked around a little bit. It did. And if like if if anything, like the Chiefs, I thought what was so interesting was that the Chiefs completely ran the ball down the Eagles' throat. And they also just did what honestly every team says they want to do, which is we're going to like establish the run and then we're going to put deep shots over top of it. It's exactly what the Chiefs did. It's just the the freaking receivers kept dropping the deep shots. And I'm so yeah. interested because the Bills. I know they just fired Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator. They've had so many issues, but the Bills are, in a way, so much like the Chiefs in that they so badly want to be able to run on the Eagles in this game and throw those deep shots over the top. But also, Gabe Davis famously has issues catching the ball, and Josh Allen has issues with sloppy turnovers, just like you know Mahomes had one in the end zone. And so, in theory, this is a game that the Bills should be able they sh- the Bills should be able to attack this secondary for the Eagles. But the Eagles are the team that you can't make mistakes against because they have this like ball control clock eating running game and that when I, I I don't know I'm so interested to see it like if the Bills do stop shooting themselves in the foot this is in theory a game that they should be able to win but I don't know the Eagles just feel much more inevitable 
Yeah, I think that's the word I use with the Eagles is inevitability. It's like they don't even play well, and yet yeah. they're the best team in the league. Well, they just have so many ways to beat you. You know what I mean? They have so many ways to just get these small edges. It's something I've been talking about all year, but it's like with the tush push. It's just an advantage that no other team has, really. Like the way that the effectiveness that they do that with. Um, obviously, having A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith is a huge advantage. You know, even DeAndre Swift, I think, was a big difference maker in that game, honestly. And huge. I think he was the difference maker, yeah. I would say. And so they have all this, they have these little edges over all the other teams that they play. And even though they're, they're not, you know, like running uh, smoothly or firing at all cylinders or whatever, they just find a way to get it done. They wore they wore the Patriot uh, the, the Chiefs down in the second half and eventually just won. Just kind of like they grind you down. This is a game where I would play all the auxiliary players. If you're on the fence, I feel good playing. I mean, obviously the Eagles, it's like Swift and AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Hurts. You're not wondering about that. But for the Bills, it's like I digs Josh Allen, obviously. But then like Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir. I mean, Gabe Davis, you're probably mad, but Khalil Shakir. I mean, that's yep. a guy that like I mean, considering what Justin Watson and MVS did it with the Chiefs, I can see them getting open deep. But overall. I think the difference is the Chiefs were so much more physical than the Eagles. And that was what was impressive is the Chiefs defense was more physical than the Eagles offensive line. I don't think the Bills got the dog in them, honestly. I I, I don't know if they have that. So I think the Eagles are going to win this game. But I, I the Eagles are like such a weird begrudging Super Bowl choice. I got to say, on the other side of the ball, I, I'm really starting to wonder if the Bills are just getting a really like tough go in, in the media. And I know they're 6-5. and five. I know they have a couple bad losses. They lost to what? They lost to the Broncos and they... Lost to the Jets to start the season. They had one other bad loss, the Patriots. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I should buy low on this team right now. The stock is quite yeah. low, and Josh Allen leads the league in picks. But to me, there are still like a, like a, the foundation of who the Bills are and who they can be is still there. And I honestly kind of like them better as dogs than favorites anyway. I feel like they are going to be an awful wild card team to have to play. Like if the Bills go into the playoffs as a six or a seven seed, they're going to play like the Jags or the Ravens. You're telling me, even if they're favored, like the Jags or the Ravens, like. I think, like, if my life is on the line, I am not taking Trevor Lawrence and this Jags team or Lamar and this Ravens team to beat Josh Allen in the playoffs. And if you look at the underlying metrics, it basically all comes down to just Josh Allen throwing turnovers. Like, the yeah, Bills yeah. are third in offensive EPA. They're seventh in defensive EPA. They're sixth in yards per game. They're third in yards per play. The only issue is that Josh Allen's throwing a lot of picks. He has the highest interception percentage since his rookie season, over three. And, like, look, if he can just limit his interceptions, I think the Bills can be right back to like where we where they were over the last three years. And I would like them a lot in the playoffs as a wild card. So I yeah. think that the, their Super Bowl odds are kind of cut by the fact they might miss the playoffs, honestly. And they have the what Eagles, Niners, Cowboys. Yes, that's like, what's and they troubling. might miss them. But Eagles, I will Niners, say if Cowboys. they make them to your Eagles, point, Chiefs, Cowboys, Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins to finish the year. That's crazy. Yes. But like if they could slip in at nine and eight, ten and seven, I think they're terrifying. Super Bowl odds right now. Eagles, Chiefs, Niners are basically all tied at five to one. The Ravens are like nine to one to win the Super Bowl. The Dolphins are also nine to one to win the Super Bowl. The Cowboys are twelve to one. The Lions are thirteen to one. The Jags are nineteen to one. The Bills are twenty-five to one to win the Super Bowl because, in part, they might miss the playoffs. But if they do, it's like it's kind of crazy to think you could have the Bills twenty-five to one to win the Super Bowl when they might just walk into the divisional round. And especially because the AFC is not scary. I mean, the Chiefs have a broken offense right now. Then the other teams I'm worried about are who? The Ravens, who haven't done anything in the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence, who's had one good game this season. Like, the, the Bengals just lost Joe Burrow. I don't really see yeah. a lot of competition in there, and the Bills make a lot of sense to me as a sneaky wildcard play. The Browns don't have a quarterback. The Browns don't have a quarterback? Yeah, right. Miami? The Bills beat the doors off Miami. Who feels unbeatable? Uh, the Niners healthy. When they're healthy, that's it. Even the Eagles team last night, you're like, wow, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive quarter for the Chiefs, just kind of like rocked the Eagles offense for the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl, they scored more points. I would say the Cowboys, but if it, that Cardinals game shook me to my core in that Niners game where they just got <laughs> destroyed. But yeah, it's like, the, to me, the, the road to the Super Bowl for the Bills is like easier this year than it ever has been. And the Bills might be a wild card team. Yeah, I think I, we'll I'm see. with you, Craig, because I feel like the Bills being bad sort of snuck up on me this year. Um, and it, it's all because of the turnovers and just like some of the weird games. But like every time I watch them, I feel like they're a good team. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they've just had some, the ball bounced the wrong way or Josh Allen threw like a couple errant passes and, and that like has changed the complexion of the season so far. But like when I watch this team play, I'm like, damn, they are kind of a buzzsaw on offense. Like they are hard to slow down. Even their run game is like producing a lot of explosive plays right now. Like James Cook is out there just slicing people up. Um, I know that he had his fumble issues too, but I don't know. I, to me, this is a really good team that's just kind of 
you know, tripping over the, themselves a little bit right now in the middle of the season. So the we mentioned that Bill's Eagles is like the turkey. And Craig's out here saying it's like, you know, is it really the turkey that really the main event of the day? And I will say this game, this week we have Jaguars-Texans, which maybe is more like sweet potatoes, which maybe... Growing up, you were get... like, ew, Jags-Texans. <laughs> and now you're like, I'd rather have sweet potatoes than the turkey itself. <laughs> You know I what I mean? Some your taste buds change, you get older. But DK, so this is a huge game. Mm-hmm. Jacks are seven three. Texans are a game behind them in the, in the AFC South, six and three, or yes, seven to six wins. But then because the Texans have already beaten the Jags this year, if the Texans win this game, they will actually leapfrog the Jags and be in first place in the division if the Texans win this game. Mm. And so we can get into this game specifically. But my question for you is: you're our, you're our draft expert here. Well, your draft cap, you've crushed it. You had CJ Stroud as your number one player in the draft this year, number one quarterback. Yeah, quarterback. Would Would you rather have no no contracts or anything, just ball. in a vacuum? Would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or CJ Stroud for the next ten years? Man, and this I I thought about. I tried to think about this from a lot of angles, and I just kept coming up with it's very close in almost everything that you think about. Um, I will say I think I lean CJ Stroud. Maybe that's just because we have less of a track record of him doing bad stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's like Trevor Lawrence, for every for all the traits that he has, all the really, really positive plays that he makes and the, and the positive things that he does, he's unflappable. He, like, never gets panicked. He never looks scared. He never looks worried. I like all that stuff about him. He does have a ton of turnovers in, in the NFL, and he has a lot of boneheaded plays in the NFL. I just can't. It's hard for me to, like, truly get over that. That being said, though, like CJ Stroud has also turned the ball over quite a few He's times. six turnovers in his last two yeah. games. So, like, I'm like, this is probably just a track record thing where he's like, the, the turnover is probably going to come with CJ Stroud. But he started so, so strong this year. It was like 14 touchdowns and one pick or something like that over the first eight games. And obviously, since the last, over the last couple of games, he's turned the ball over a few times. But, um, when I watch Stroud, I'm just like, man, he's in command. He's in control. He's so confident. He's so, poised and just never panics. He can, and he's shown already that he can operate out of pressure or, or out of structure. So I think I lean Stroud wildly. Maybe that is, maybe that's not that wild of a decision, but it is very, very close at the end of the day. Where do you guys land? I think the important thing is that it's, it's a tough decision. And I think that yeah, tells yeah. you everything you need to know that it tells you that Stroud is a top 10 guy for the next 10 years. And the fact that he got there in 10 weeks is impressive. I was going to ask you guys, maybe this is a stupid question. Would you rather have C.J. Stroud or Josh Allen for the next 10 years? Stroud feels more um, like the longe- longevity thing comes into play here where like, I think Josh Allen is more like gives you a higher ceiling of what you could do, but he's also like so reckless with his body. It's like worrisome. You know what I mean? I don't know how long. Yeah, if it was five years, <laughs> I think I'd right. stick with Josh Allen. Right. 10, I'm kind of like, I'd rather lease that car than buy it. You know what I mean? Like Josh, I just, <laughs> I'm just so like yeah, at some yeah. point, Josh Allen still plays with the I'm never going to die energy. And I'm like, at yeah. some point, I don't know what's going to happen when he. I think know, I would lean Josh Allen though, just because man, he can be such a force multiplier in the way that he can run. Yeah. His arm strength. Incredible. He can make a throw. Like he can make any throw from like any platform. It's like insane. With this sweet potato game though, with Jags Texans, I was thinking about it. Do, do you think this is a preview of like the next great divisional matchup for the next 10 years? Like uh, Stroud versus Lawrence? I think this is the magic, honestly, of why the NFL is worth so much goddamn money is like, I, <laughs> I just, it's crazy to think that like the Jacksonville Jaguars have, like how much do we hear about NBA stars and like cities? And it's like the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence, Texans, obviously Houston's like what, the fourth biggest city in America, but they have CJ Stroud. The Indianapolis Colts, next season have Anthony Richardson, yep. who is like his own marvel to watch. And the Titans have Will Levis. But it's like the AFC South now has like this crazy quarterback lineup. I mean, honestly, it's kind of like the AFC North where it's like the the four dragons and then like one like kind of weird where it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like they had Burrow yeah. and we thought Watson was good. And then, um, you know, the, the Steelers have Kenny Pickett. It's just like, whoa. But like now the it's crazy. The AFC South is like, has is poised to have like some of the best quarterbacks in the entire league, and they're all yep. so different. Yep, they might be the best division in football in like two years. Has that has that ever been the case? Has the AFC South ever been the best division in football? The Titans in two thousand eight went like thirteen and three under Jeff Fisher, and then and Manning, that was also yeah, Manning, when Peyton Manning was coming went, off a yeah, Super Bowl yeah. win, and the Texans were probably still trash in 08. But like, I think that's the last part. Yeah, and the last Jags, time you yeah. have to go to. 
But it, it's just wild that like we have Mahomes and Herbert, you have Lamar and Burrow, but Stroud and Lawrence has the potential to actually be the, you know, maybe the best head-to-head quarterback divisional matchup. This whole conversation just reiterates to me, and I think this will be a Thanksgiving thing with Stroud. It's just like you have one of those guys who you don't, and you have one of the, you're in that club if you have one of those eight people or not. Uh, and I, I think what's so funny is that I'm so conditioned to be like, oh, well, you know, you need the offense, you need to have infrastructure around the guy. And I don't, it's so weird because Stroud broke out in a game where his four offensive linemen were out, which is so weird to me. And Bobby Slovic's done such a good, good job as their offensive coordinator, like creative ways that, like kind of using the Mike McDaniels motion to get Tyreek Hill open, but using fullbacks to block defensive ends because it's just, you know, force, just like having a smaller person running harder at them. But I don't know. It's, it's, I just really want, that experience of just being turned around in like two games. I fits like, all right, my decade set. What you're what you when you're talking about all that, like to me, the thing that sticks out about Stroud is he is this is kind of a cliche, I guess, but he's an elevator. Like he elevates the people around him. He makes the players and the system around him better. Like, did you think coming into the season that the Texans had a good skill player group? The entire conversation was whether the Cardinals could get the top two picks in the draft with the Cardinals right. and Texans both finishing with the two worst records. He's, yeah. So, and, yeah. Give an example, though, Duke, you have a good quarterback that, who is not an elevator. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like the elite quarterbacks elevate everyone around them, whereas there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league who are like sort of system and scheme dependent. Whereas Dak like, Prescott, yeah. would you call him an elevator? Kyler I, Murray? I would argue Probably that not. Dak has... It, I would argue that Dak has been a high-end version of... Uh, I would actually argue Dak and Jared Goff are very similar in their careers in that Goff's rookie year is almost like what Dak might have been like without infrastructure, where Dak walked into the Romo replacement. He walked into the best offensive line in football with the best skill group in this insane infrastructure, and he was like surprisingly competent because he was a fourth-round pick. But then Jared Goff, we got the taste under Jeff Fisher. He was terrible, and Sean McVay comes in and has this all-new stuff, and he looks great. But like... Jared Goff doesn't necessarily, and now he's in Detroit, he's doing great, but the same thing, incredible like offensive line around him, all the skill talent, and I think to D- he doesn't drag it down, he's as good as the people around him, like Andy yeah. Dalton was like that, I think Dak's like that too, he's as good as the people around him, more or less. Yeah, and so like, I mean, even, uh, I will even like say like, Russell Wilson is not necessarily a talent elevator, he's not going to make the guys around him better, he's really, really good in the systems that work to his talents, and schemes, or the schemes and systems, and and like players that work really well in his in the systems that he's run, like he can make that all work really, really well. But like plug him into any old offense, and I don't know if he's gonna like really, really thrive. Patrick Mahomes clearly an elevator, like a talent yeah. elevator. The rocket ship. I mean, you could even make the argument that Jalen Hurts is not a talent elevator. You know what I mean? Like I there's I think it's very, very few guys that are like truly trans you know like they can go to any offense and elevate the guys around brady was like the biggest example of that like he's insane he just make any offense good um but like it's very few and far between uh these quarterbacks that can like elevate the guys around him i don't know for sure if that's what stroud is because we just haven't seen enough of them and uh, honestly he's probably benefiting a lot from this like 49ers derived offense that like is elevating brock purdy but everything we've seen with him so far is just like amazing and in the this surrounding skill talent is nobody that we were thinking about prior to the year. Dude, that's the simplest way we could say it. C.J. Stroud legitimately had better receiving talent at Ohio State (laughs) than he did in the NFL. And he is a more impressive quarterback. Like, he played well and statistically had better games at Ohio State, but the level of quarterbacking has just immediately been higher than whatever he had to do. And it's hard to, like, you know, we could be like, oh, the Georgia game mattered, but it's like, it's just hard to think that... it. It's been the reality is you don't always know what about human, but you don't know the future. You don't know what people have until you're in this situation. It's crazy. Anyways, it's really great to see Stroud doing this because the NFL desperately needs him. You know what I mean? Like right now, especially it's just like the way the offenses are going. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. 
I think the exact opposite of this game is like we have Bucks Colts, which is kind of like Russell Sprouts because it's like I don't think anyone wants to admit that they rip, but it's like Bucks Colts. No one wants to admit like <laughs> I'm so excited to watch Bucks Colts, Gardner Minshew Baker, but like holy hell, these two teams have been in some of the most fun games all year, and also Baker and Minshew are like weirdly like long lost. Yeah, twins, they're like the you know Spider-Man I mean? meme, like pointing at each other. It's like, but Brussels sprouts, you know what? You go through and like you get the sweet potatoes, you get the turkey, you get the stuff. But like, damn, like sprouts are kind of awesome. Now. Yeah, like you, Dude, you know, put a little so uh, totally. balsamic drizzle on there. It's like delicious. I actually really Dude, like Dude, a little Brussels bacon sprout. in there with it. Yeah. A little balls. Yeah, balsamic some bacon. I think big green bean came down hard on Brussels sprouts at some like marketing thing back in like the 80s because I grew up thinking like Brussels sprouts were renowned as like the worst food. Dude, I, same. I grew it's up weird. thinking Brussels sprouts were awful. And I think people just didn't realize how to cook them. I think there's been a Brussels sprouts <laughs> renaissance in the Dude, last five years. Yes. One of the most underrated parts of just the internet happening is like boomers had no idea to cook. And so they just boiled vegetables. And now so many boomers like don't like <laughs> no vegetables. Yeah. And now they're like, Al Michaels? Yeah, dude, look, Al Michaels is out here eating steaks every night. And it's like, dude, it, I'm sorry that your mother, Al Michaels, just like boiled Brussels sprouts your whole life. It was like, here, eat these. It's like, we invented things. Like we, we just look up the recipes and it's like, I they, will they say, have no idea. Uncooked Brussels sprouts smell disgusting. Um, well, they're inedible. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even. They're, they're too. They're like rock hard. So, dude, uh, uncooked Buccaneers Colts uh, games smell disgusting. But this one is actually going to be good. I think. Oh, the game's going to be like thirty-eight, thirty-five. It's going to be electric. A few Christmases ago, a family friend of ours made Brussels sprouts, and they got the outside like real crispy. You know, kind of like if. You, and my mom was just like, "How did you do that?" She thought she was seeing the eighth one of the Brussels sprouts crispy, and she said, "I don't know." I just Googled the recipe and just clicked on the first one. My mom's like, oh my God, send it to me. And she's like, you just Google it and click on the first one. Yeah, man, you put you cover them in oil, put them face down on a baking sheet or face yep. down in a cast iron skillet. That'll crisp them right up. <laughs> Dude, boomers just don't, I'm telling you, man. But yeah, Bucks Colts is fun. Speaking of making things the wrong way, I think the, so the Steelers are, are playing in Cincinnati and the, the Thanksgiving food comparison for this is like a, a pumpkin pie, but it's like if you accidentally use salt instead of sugar <laughs> oh god You're like, i'm trying uh, to picture I, what that would taste like this looks good but it certainly doesn't taste good uh, on paper like, I was mi- something's missing something oh it's joe burrow and, uh. and and an offense for pittsburgh with that said matt canada is gone mm. praise jesus and mike sullivan is now calling plays he's the quarterback coach for the team so he won two super bowls with the giants do you have any relationship with mike sullivan uh, Mike Sullivan was there, but no, I mean, the offensive coordinators, uh, <laughs> Rude. No, it's the, the coordinators who get credit for the Giants Super Bowl victories are Steve Spagnuolo, uh, who is just forever a legend. And then also Perry Fuels. The, the defense has won those two Super Bowls. Have they, is there been any indication, Craig, in Steelers land about like what's changing, what's going to happen here? Uh, I haven't read a ton about Nothing it. specific. Like, Emerald City didn't have some like epic like logistical plan after the witch died. They just were like just threw a little parade and all the munchkins ran around. Yeah, and also like I even said, it's Tuesday. Matt Canada just got fired today for us as we were recording. So it has also isn't that weird? Why do they wait? What are you doing on Monday? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Good question. The Steelers are weird. You know, they never make rash decisions. So I'm I'm just happy they did it. Uh, The question really is: is so they're playing Jake Browning. In the Bengals. Are they going to outgain the Bengals? Can they outgain <laughs> Can you imagine if like, be the, the Bengals cannot... I, I, if the Steelers cannot outgain the Jake Browning Bengals, that would be incredible. So I, look, the, do you think... The, so there's the new coach theory, right? Like Josh McDaniels yeah, yeah. gets fired in Vegas. Antonio Pierce comes in. They win in electrifying fashion week one. Do you think the same applies for offensive coordinators? Is there going to be a new coach theory for Matt Canada being gone in Pittsburgh or no? I kind of think no, in anything, this case it is, though. Heifetz, is, oh, I, Heifetz was going to say no, but I kind of feel like in this specific because the, case... Because the level of hatred was just as strong for Matt yes. Canada as as it was for Josh McDaniels. Right. The level of hatred fans, I think that matters. I don't know. No, the, fans. the players McDaniels were definitely... The, the players have all been like... Dude, there were all these this, quotes. Really? Najee, yeah. Deontay, fucking Chris Boswell hates him. The kicker. I think there was a lot going on the in the kicker hated room. Matt there's Canada? Gonna be, there's going to be kids yeah. dancing. There's kids dancing on the desks when the teacher leaves the classroom vibes going on right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait you, what, did, what did Chris Boswell say about Matt Did you see that that video? There, after one of the wins where Chris Boswell hit a game-winning field goal, they're all walking to the locker room and Matt Canada's like high-fiving people and Chris Boswell's like five guys behind Canada. And as they're walking to the locker room, the camera catches Chris Boswell pointing at Matt Canada and going, it ain't because of you. <laughs> no, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Holy. Uh, 
Yeah. All right. Well, maybe there will be the vibe. I take it back. Like I think I think you vibe. should start. I think you're starting the running backs because the Steelers' running game has been the only competent piece of the offense. So you're starting Warren and Najee. I think you're starting Deontay. And I, I don't think you're starting Pat Fryermuth. He's been awful. And tight end is actually in a decent space right now in fantasy. But I, I think you I think you should take a shot on Deontay and George Pickens. I would say I the I agree with everything you're saying, Craig. I think there is something we, we should like keep a monitor here, which is almost like a reverse hewing theory of like when they fire a coordinator who's not in charge and then nothing changes. And like actually it's just like the skateboard award. Because I'm wondering what would be crazier? Nothing changed with the Steelers offense or how wild would it be if the Bengals were just as good without Joe Burrow? Like if Jake Browning just came in and did like 90% of what Joe Burrow does. Uh, DK, do you know, what is your scouting report on Jake Browning? Do you have thoughts on him? He's 27 years old. No, for those no. at home. I don't have extensive thoughts. I mean, he played at UW for a long time. He set a bunch of records for the Huskies and was a legendary high school player out of California. But Oh, he's a local Luke Ridnow? No, no, no. He is, he is from Cali. Um I believe. No, but he's a local Luke Ridnour, like one of those. Yeah, I guess so. Sort of. He, I mean, he was like he put up really good numbers for the for the Huskies. But um, well, he had he did one year. His sophomore year, he had forty three touchdowns and nine picks, and then he kind of came back. He petered off. Yeah, year. He, he petered off, and that's why he went undrafted. <laughs> yeah, his senior year, sixteen touchdowns, ten picks, and now he's in the NFL. Right, come out for the draft, Caleb Williams. I think the the deal with him, and again, like I did not scout him closely, but he is sort of just one of these guys that doesn't have any outstanding physical traits. I do. I will say the one thing that impressed me in when he came in for Burrow the other night was like he could kind of scramble around and escape pressure and like do some things in that way, but I'm not super confident. That's one thing that all the shitty backups have now is they're all kind of mobile and maybe yeah. that's what's like why teams are picking them rather than just like guys who had great stats in college purely throwing it. But like all these like Tyson Bajant dudes are all like mobile now. Dude, that's like Madden. Like you have to be able to escape. Why the would you ever have a non-mobile quarterback? You know, I I feel like this started to shift when Sean McVay, Jared Goff had a thumb injury in one of his last seasons with the Rams. So Goff's throwing was kind of limited, and Sean McVay just played. Uh, was it John Walford? 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 Just because yeah, he was like sc- literally was like screw it. Like at least Walford can run a little bit, right? But it does feel like all these backups aren't good, but they're mobile. I think there's probably more people who can like run a little bit than like execute an NFL offense. So <laughs> seems like that makes sense. Yeah, I think the Steelers better outgain the Bengals, man. Oh, my God. This kind of makes me want to bet on the Steelers for this game. They're only one point favorites. I kind of want to bet on the Bengals. I kind of think that the Bengals are going to have all the... Are you doing the know, Costanza? Costanza? Yeah. yeah. No, everyone's going to be on Pittsburgh, and they're yeah, probably yeah. going to lose. No, the Costanza is, I think, if fantasy, maybe more of a DFS play, but fantasy is more, I think, Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are going to have like a combined 200 yards and three touchdowns because the Chiefs are playing the Raiders. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, just, everyone just saw them drop all these passes in this important Monday football game. But Watson had 11 targets, and the, now the Chiefs play the Raiders. And without looking this up, I think Chief Mahomes has 700 touchdowns against the Raiders in his career. I re- Mahomes once had four touchdowns in a quarter against the Raiders. That's true. Like, I just, I, I just, I, I cannot give words to how much Mahomes just owns this team. And so I kind of just think that that's my Costanza of the week. Career high 11 targets for Justin Watson on Monday. Career high. Dude, shout out. A, a, a pupil. A pupil. Jackie's mom. <laughs> the group chats last night were just going ablaze with like, why do they keep throwing it to Justin Watson? I think I you might answer. Who else? What I think the answer is that he's the reliable Rice. guy. They stopped play, like they they're phasing out Rice, even though he's their, by far they're their most talented. They're not phasing out Rice. I think that the sad answer is that like Kelsey did not have a good game and Rice actually I think is solid, but like it, you actually look at who is like actually the, the fastest guy who's able like route running ability is like Dude, I think, unfortunately, I think Watson's better than Sky Moore. Well, here's the proof is in the pudding, and he dropped a couple of extremely important passes. He did. It's weird because it was like raining. So I'm almost willing to get, I mean, I'm willing to give a pass a little bit on the on some of the drops because it was raining. By the way, it was, like, it was raining last night, and I thought of you, Craig, where I was like, why can't we see the rain? You can't see you the can't, rain. can't see the rain. <laughs> Even though you know it's raining, if you saw how much it was raining the whole time, I think that the drops are kind of like I had, it was because bigger, Joe Buck was like, it's a dreary, wet, rainy day here in Kansas City. And I was like, can't tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Thank you for announcing that because I couldn't say. I, I, I think I kept the problem was like, yeah. The problem is like just the sloppiness of like Watson, you know, Buck pointed this out immediately, but Watson like got open on this deep route and then cut to the middle and Mahomes threw it to the sideline and Joe Buck and uh, Aikman was like, you have to go to the sideline. And he like buries his face in the play sheet. That has nothing to do with the rain. MVS, again, I cannot get over MVS, who again is a deep threat receiver. It's his whole job. Looking over his left shoulder for the ball 
And then instead of just turning right, spins around like to like face the ball, which is like literally like what they teach you in ninth grade. Like Bill's son, like le- probably the first thing you learn playing receiver is like you don't turn around at the ball when you're running. And I'm like, I, the fact that like there's that stuff has nothing to do with the rain. Yeah, but so, so that part it feels weird. like you're it feels like you're defeating your own point though. Like he's not reliable. Why are the kids- that's why it's a Costanza? <laughs> it's like every fiber of my being is telling me these people aren't going to do it, so they're going to go out and they're going to have like three. Can I l- let me push back on why MVS did that? Here's why I think he did that, and here's why I can understand the rationale at least like uh like involuntarily why he did that. Because if if you look back at the ball over one shoulder and you see that it's coming to the opposite side. You would then have to avert your eyes away from the ball and turn over your left shoulder and then retrack it. So I actually understand you see it over, uh, over looking over one shoulder and then you 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 basically keep your eyes connected to the ball. And even though it's like a harder spin, you don't lose the the, the eye tracking of the ball. Yeah, I get that. But Mahomes is throwing the pass to lead you because you're running at 21 miles an hour. So he's throwing it so you can continue running at 21 miles an hour. So if you start backpedaling to 10, now the throw is 12 yards too far. So it's like if like the the whole job you have is to learn to turn and track. Randy Moss, one of the reasons Randy Moss was such a good deep receiver was cornerbacks will cheat. They'll look at your they won't look at your hands, look at your eyes cuz your eyes naturally get bigger. Randy Moss trained himself to not open his eyes eyes wider That's when he, the wild. ball was coming to him. That's so they so couldn't wild. look at his freaking eyes. So like his eyebrows would his eyelids wouldn't get bigger so they had no idea when the ball was coming. That's the level of thought people put into this. So it's like so, MVS should know this stuff. So Randy Moss just had like resting, not being targeted face. He trained himself to like his <laughs> eyes like relaxing like, his face. Yeah, it's like if you throw anything at anyone, you like you know your eyes perk up. Well, have you ever? Just, he just have you ever watched sprinters uh, when like in slow mo or whatever when they zoom in on your face? Like sprinters are uh, trained to relax the muscles in like their face and their. I don't know, really? neck or whatever. So like when you see them running, like their skin's bouncing and stuff, but they have like no expression at all. It's just like blank stare. Because essentially like you're putting all your energy into like exploding, you know, in your wow. lap. <laughs> That's no, I did not know that. Also, the whole time I was thinking about this, just like play, like playing um, just backyard football. It's so hard to track football when you're running full speed. It's like way, it's way harder than you think. <laughs> How old were you guys when you stopped playing uh, Thanksgiving football with your friends or family and you gave up? Like I know we never did that. College age, I think. I'm now old enough where my my legs. I'm just like you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna get hurt. This is I'm not I'm not doing this. Well, the reason why you're gonna get hurt is because you you are gonna hurt somebody else based <laughs> on <laughs> my experience. The way I up. plays like the cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I showed up to ringer pickup and everyone was taller than me and had a better handle and could shoot. And I was like, well, and I was like, like, I'm going to be out. James Harrison today. He's like the guy that goes to prison. You pick the biggest guy and punch him in the face. Pick a fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Heifetz plays pickup basketball with his coworkers. Have you ever told the story <laughs> when I had to fill in on the Ringer, um, the Ringer, uh, like actual intramural league team? No. And that, so Zach Cram comes to me one day and is like, we, I have to, he's like, do you play basketball? And I was like, I Define mean, yeah. play. Like, okay. That's what I said. <laughs> and it was like, all right, you, you're coming. And I was like, what do you mean? And so they, they had an IM league. They only had four people. And if they didn't have a fifth, they would forfeit the game. And if they forfeited that game, they'd miss the playoffs. So I was like, all right, I'll come. And he's like, by the way, it's a church league. So if you curse... I don't like where this is going at all. If, if you curse, it's a tech. And if you get two <laughs> techs, it's an ejection. Oh, no. So you're coming tonight. And he was like, but if you curse two times, we've... You get ejected, which means we have four people, which means we lose the game. And if we lose the game, we miss the playoffs. So I go into this this game. Not only do I have to worry about playing pickup basketball. You should have duct taped your mouth. Dude, I literally, <laughs> I literally was just like, if I just say shit under my breath, I'm, we're going to like, I'm going to knock the ring out of the playoffs. But I just, el- I elbowed the biggest guy on their team in the back. And then he screamed. I got him ejected. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> they were lawyers. Uh, you're like the Lance Stevenson. Or like the PJ Tucker. <laughs> he was like just blown like in LeBron's Beverly. ear. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> I could just remind me never to play basketball with Heifetz. Yeah, well, you're the one who... Did you get punched or throw a punch? In the I got punched game? in the face playing basketball one nice. time. I feel like Heifetz probably... No, not really. It was a huge pain in the butt, though, because I had to get stitches. It was like right on the, the bone of my eye or whatever, and I had to like... 
go get it sewed up. That's pretty badass. Nice. <laughs> That's pretty badass. Yeah, I guess it was. It was not in the in the moment. It was not. The guy, it was actually pretty funny though because my coworker. I was playing basketball with my coworker at this gym, and I got punched, and then my coworker tackled the guy into some chairs. So I was like, Whoa. it was like straight up what the most badass thing I've seen in real life. I think <laughs> he so like literally so cool. like form tackled him into like a bunch of chairs. It was like straight out of a movie. I would do that for you guys. I appreciate. It. I actually believe that fully, Heifetz. And thank you. <laughs> I don't really fantasize about like punching somebody in the face, but I do kind of fantasize about tackling somebody into something. <laughs> I feel like that's way more satisfying. Yeah. Through a bunch of milk crates or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Some empty bins <laughs> or something. We need to bring back the milk crate challenge, but just for tackling other guys into the milk crates. <laughs> just like karate kicking someone right in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, punching somebody in the face is going to hurt my hand. It's probably not going to hurt them as much as I think it's going to. But dude, if I, but I can Sparta somebody, kick a guy. Through a cardboard wall? This be awesome. is Sparta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every guy's wanted. <laughs> oh, my God. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, other games here. The Browns-Broncos game, and look at this Browns-Broncos game. Rookie fifth-round UCLA quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson against the Denver Broncos. And I just get, I'm looking, I'm like, this is like, the kind of sketchy meal made by like the worst cook in your family or like, I don't know if whatever it is, it's like, or if they're doing the turkey and you're like, you know, they're kind of and like, oh, this turkey's cooked. And you're like, is it like, is it? yeah, medium rare. I'm like, oh, and you're looking you're like, so Amari Cooper catching passes from Dorian Thompson Robinson being covered by Patrick Sertain. Like, you're, you're going to pass. You're going to take the plunge. <laughs> I'll pass. You're take the plunge. How I many, don't know. How many players are you going to play on your fantasy lineup in this entire game? Well, I think the problem is like the the easiest person to start here is Javante Williams, but they're playing the Browns, and I'm like, if you have, there might you might have better flex options than Javante Williams, so he's not like an auto. He's like a check our rankings guy, and he's like just worse than usual. But then it's like I, I would not, I don't like Amari Cooper in this game. I would not play like Elijah Moore like against the, no. the Browns. I do not feel good about that. And then the flip side, it's like you're gonna take the plunge again that Quilton Sutton can keep up this like crazy weird ra- touchdown streak with Russell Wilson. He's got like against the Browns. Like, I don't feel good about anyone. It's like Javante and um, Ford, right? I, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Sutton. It's not like Sutton's getting a lot of volume. He's basically averaging like five targets a game. He just has five touchdowns in the last five games. Like, he's just And you watch them and they're all like the next-gen stats. Like, there was a 4% completion percentage possibility <laughs> or like the... No, that's out that's the Russell dots. Wilson's whole career though, I feel like. I know, but the dots, <laughs> and it's like one of the dots for Quentin's touchdown was actually out of bounds because that was that touchdown he had that was like he barely got his... I don't know how that happened. That throw was, was like, amazing. You want to bank on that? That throw that was. was like almost identical to a throw that he made to Tyler Lockett a few weeks or a few years ago whereas like he spun away from uh, pressure, went to his left and like threw the ball in the only spot, literally the only spot his receiver could get. It was like a diving catch and it was Tyler Lockett. It's like that that is the special Russell Wilson thing. Like for this is what we wanted from Sutton last year. Yeah. So like you can play him because it's so improbable. But it's like again, it's like maybe look, maybe the food's good. Maybe like that weird casserole that she made. This is, is going to be a gross ass game, though. Like to your point, this is these are two teams that want to drag you down into the mud and like slow the game down, run the ball, 
you know, win the win the uh, win the turnover battle and just like all those cliches and basically just win like nine to six. So maybe this will I mean, be a high scoring game. Maybe that's Costanza. Costanza. That's true. The Browns are giving up a league low 143 passing yards a game. 143. Jeez. Russell Wilson has thrown for over 200 yards once in his last six games. Dude. Isn't it funny that the guy who, who was acquired for two first two seconds and paid $160 million and the Broncos are basically treating him like he's a fifth-round rookie out of UCLA? Game manager. Do you think if Russell Wilson was on the Niners, would they be better or the same or worse? Worse. Because they, like what Brock Purdy is, I think worse, because what Brock Purdy does is the opposite of what Russ does, which is what Purdy does is he's like the computer of like, it's like A, like a B, X. It's literally like, if this, no, then I that, get it. go. Russ Russ, I don't think Russ could do that. Russ plays the Russell just, offense. Yeah, I just can't believe that he costs $250 million. And if you put him on a team instead of the last pick in the draft, they'd be worse. I, football's weird, man. That's fucking <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Weird sport. Weird sport. Like that really doesn't strange. that doesn't work across any other sport. Or if I'm like, uh, if I put LeBron James on the Hornets, are they better or worse? Like it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, just answer the question. Yes, better or worse? It's kind of like the other Russell thing. It's kind of like what Russell Westbrook. You're like, well, he's great, and you're like, yeah, but like, he kind of needs his own team to do his own thing, and you kind of got to do it his way, and he needs the ball way more than he should. And you're like, oh, so he's just like, yeah, but you put him with other people, it just doesn't work. Like that that's a tough comp. That that's a bad beat, I think, for for Russell Wilson if he's getting the Westbrook comparison. I think he is Westbrook, but like with a lot like a cleaner image. Not cleaner, it's like Russ is a bad image, but it's just more like I think Russell Westbrook's just like more content being selfish and Russell Wilson doesn't want to come off that way. He hides like, his selfishness well. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he hides his selfishness better. He hides his selfishness in platitudes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think I'm. I, my official recommendation is to not start anybody in this football game. I think that's smart. The other one I wanted to hear, Ravens-Chargers, which isn't a dish as much as I think it's just the favorite child at dinner. Where I've been talking so much about the Gordon Ramsay award, like where it's just the Gordon Ramsay mean of him being like to the little girl, like, oh dear, oh dear, gorgeous. When, like, oh no, it's okay. When she makes a mistake and then the guy's like, you fucking donkey. And Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert are the little girl. Where anytime Herbert and Lamar make a mistake, <laughs> yeah. anytime they lose a game, it's always like, oh dear, oh dear, gorgeous. And we just blame the coach and blame everyone around him. And to, I, I'm part of that. I'm absolutely part of that. I've defended both. But when they're facing each other, it's kind of funny. Because now we got Brandon Staley, who's like having a meltdown and going to get fired. And he's now where it's like, you know, he's done. <laughs> he's having a meltdown. Like, I mean, it's just tough. Yeah. It's just, it sucks. You know, he's going to get fired and he's melting down in public. He's very stressed. <laughs> But now you got Ravens and it's like Lamar without Mark Andrews. And it's like on one hand, Lamar like might win the MVP this year if he plays well down the stretch without Andrews. And then the other side, if the Ravens like get to the playoffs and melt down again, it's like Lamar with a quarter billion dollar contract and a new coordinator. It's nothing to stand by. And Herbert's about to get that treatment with whatever next coach. And I think it's just funny these teams are playing together because the Ravens got to win this game, man. Like the Chargers can't beat anyone close. They can't stop the run. The Ravens. Like the Ravens should be able to honestly control this, and I think it'll be interesting to see what Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, does with Herbert. But uh, I don't know. These are the two quarterbacks that just got huge contracts, and we're pretty close to having to hold them accountable for stuff. Yeah, it's a funny matchup because I, I I think I described the uh, Ravens as Chargers East a few weeks ago, where it's just like you never know what the fuck you're going to get with this team. It feels like, they're, and they're so bad in the end of games, and like basically snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Not to the level of the Chargers, because the Chargers are on their own plane. Like, they're just, you know, it's in their organizational memory for some reason to, like, lose games they should win. And the Ravens have that injury bug like the Chargers do. Yeah, it's just... The like, Chargers I just are the don't shining trust. hotel. It's like, it, it doesn't matter who's running the hotel. It's always <laughs> the same result. Uh, but it's yes. a good call, though, DK, because the Ravens' three losses have all looked like the Falcons' probability. Like you just dominated goal. the entire game. How did you lose this game? Like, I don't it's know. so confusing. You want to talk about must-win, though? I mean, the Ravens are the one seed in the AFC. If it's, if it's a must-win for any team, it's the Chargers. If the Chargers lose this game, I mean, they might already be out of playoff contention, but if they lose this game, they're 4-7, and seven and it's over. Okay, let me go to the New York Times playoff it's machine, Jover. which is a really sick thing if you haven't played around with it, but the New York Times is just like an interactive... Uh, Wow, the example they give is the Chargers. That's so helpful. Uh, so right now, the Chargers' odds of making the playoffs, because they're freaking um, four and six, they have 10%. 
If the Chargers win, that goes to 20, 20%. So that's pretty good. If the Chargers lose, it drops to five. Hmm. So it's either cut so, in half or doubled. Yeah, I guess that wasn't as incredible math. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we read the 10,000 simulation. <laughs> like, I'm like, that sounds pretty logical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this otherworldly math. Here's the deal. Understand. If they win, their odds of going to the playoffs are going to improve. And if they lose, their odds of going to the playoffs will decrease. <laughs> so I built you this really cool model. <laughs> I kind of like the Chargers in this game. I don't know why. It feels Chargers-y. It's Sunday night. They're at home. I know that doesn't really matter, but it just feels like the Chargers are going to win. Craig, you, I feel like you have a very good spidey sense for these types of things. I don't know why. Maybe Let's put this to the test. But I feel like you, you always come up it. with these. I don't know. All right. Uh, we have any emails? I have to bring up one thing. So on Monday, we do our showdown trivia. And my friend Chase wrote in. Chase. And gave us a trivia question. And it was about how many times does Gollum say the the word precious in the movies? Yeah, okay. And there was no article linking to the answer, but he gave us a video of the director, Taika Waititi, quizzing his cast from movie on this question. But the, the video, Taika only mentioned two of the three movies in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So we actually couldn't answer the question of how many times... Gollum says precious in the three movies. Chase then texted me and said, you guys are idiots. And it's not me. It's you two. Gollum's not in the first movie and doesn't say precious in the first movie, which is why it's only a trivia question about the final two movies, which Taika Waititi answers. And you two, Lord of the Rings fans, didn't know that. I actually had this. Th- I had this thought, Craig, and I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Why didn't you say he's not I'm in not the first I'm not the one movie. who said, like, how much does he say it in the three movies? We got the answer for two. He said, get the individual movies and add them. This is on you guys. I was like, oh, he only names the two movies. Well, we here's have the to, deal. Chase should have done the math himself. Well, if you were really such true, a big fan, wouldn't you know he's not in the let, first movie? Let me talk, though, because I think that's not right. Because isn't there in the very first scene of the movie? He makes a brief appearance. Right. He's in the fucking movie. Yeah, he's yeah, in the movie. No, okay. First of all, Hyvitz didn't know that because he would have jumped in like uh, uh, 60 seconds earlier to say that. But he <laughs> makes apparently a brief, brief appearance in the movie. Yeah, it's so like Galadriel's like, uh, she's over, she's doing the overtalk, what's it called? The narrating, like the back history of what happened mm-hmm. and with the ring. But also in the director's cut, I don't know if this counts for us, but like there's this whole big long spiel from Gollum, like the back history of, of when he was like a hobbit looking guy and he like murders his friend. Yeah, and everything. that's the cheating. I don't know it's if like, that's in the first, the first one, guy. Or maybe it's in Two Towers, actually. Two I don't know. There's 11 hours in the goddamn movies, man. I'm just I don't saying, know. Like, for, for being such big fans, the fact that you didn't even know Gollum's not in the first movie is, is but not But he good. is in the first Get movie. Get out of here. He isn't. No, this is silly. <laughs> this is, we're not being chastised. No, I actually ridiculous. did, Craig, I literally did have this thought where I was like, I don't know if he has any talking in the first one. And I should have said something. But like, at the end of the day, he was in the movie. He's a character yeah. in the movie. Come on. So you have seen the movie. The, the spirit of what I'm saying is correct, even if it's not literally correct, and you have to admit that. <laughs> is that what I sound like all the time? What, what was it's, the yeah, final answer? Was 32? Yeah, something like that. Ridiculous. Like, right. if I told you guys, if I was like, oh, Gollum says precious 15 times in the first movie, you probably would have been like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I find I, I don't like the first movie as much. I probably haven't seen it in like eight years. We've also Fine. like said many times we skip over the Gollum parts. Yeah, it's the worst part. <laughs> you it's guys about the nature fans. of power. Boring. I get fans. it. You know what's sick? Riding the shield down and shooting the freaking berserkers. I feel like Love real Lord of the Rings sick. fans. Real Lord of the Rings fans in my life are in the in the mud with this movie. They they watch it every week and they know every line. I would like to make it clear, I'm not trying to claim I'm a real Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> no, I haven't read the books. I like the fight scenes, like a red-blooded... I'm not trying to claim I'm a Lord of the Rings head. I have yeah. seen the movies. You have seen the two, the two buildings. The two buildings is a really good movie. Uh, We're gonna watch did I ever tell you this story? Uh, I w- back in the day in college, um, a couple of buddies of mine and I were making a... We did some video for like a class. I don't even remember what the class was. And we took all this video of people standing in line at a Lord of the Rings premiere. This was back in like 2000, 
two or three or whatever, whenever the movie came out. And we were like videotaping people who dressed up like hobbits and elves and everything and interviewing them. And then like 10 years later, I went back and was looking through the footage because I was like trying to delete some old videos. And it was like one of my good friends <laughs> was one of the hobbits that we interviewed. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And I like texted him. And this was before I knew him and everything. It was just like really that's funny. That's actually insane. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> wild. So yeah. Dude, those those videos are great of people standing outside of premieres like yeah. dressed up. There's a really funny video about people going to see The Matrix that people should look up online <laughs> of, of of fans dressed up as like the, I don't know, like the, the archetypes of like Matrix people. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Craig, you're the movie guy. <laughs> I've seen The Matrix. I just like, I forget like what they're Matrix called. Matrix people. Like the, the certain classes yeah. of people in The Matrix movies, they dressed up as, as them. They had black coats, yeah. Did you watch the new, the new one, Craig? The new Matrix? I haven't either. I, no, I still got to watch the fourth John Wick, actually. Oh, that's good. I got to watch that. I'll do that this weekend, actually. Wait, also, I have to read a couple emails. I'm going to read two emails back to back. because so, We got, like, I don't think dozens. We might have gotten 100 emails in the 40-yard dash stuff. And, like, whether you yeah, we could or could not be touch, Jake Bobo's. Touch a nerve, strike a nerve. Yeah, whether we could or could not be <laughs> Jake Bobo's 499 40-yard dash. I'm going to read two emails okay. that together <laughs> perfectly like so represent the two emails. The two sides. Remember, hold judgment till you hear both. All right, I'll try. This one's from Richard. Richard. Rich. There's no fucking way any of you guys are running a sub 540 yard dash. No way. This is an argument I'd expect Heifetz to have, not DK. You should be ashamed. <laughs> that really well represents half the emails we've gotten. <laughs> the other half, which is perfectly rep from Tyson. 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 Perfect representation of the other 50% of emails. Running a 499, pretty easy task for any young, moderately athletic person. Roger Goodell <laughs> ran a 40 to suit like five years ago and ran a 540. There's a video of it out there and everything. The Packers have a thing at Lambeau Field every year where you can run a time 40. My friends and I are all moderately athletic, not college athletes. We all went in our early 20s. We're all under 47. These were drunken fatsos running 52. Craig would easily rip below 499 in light stretching. That is exactly Tyson, the two camps. Tyson like, knows no ball. question or no way. This guy knows ball. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> the funny thing is, this is something we mentioned after the show was over. I've never actually even seen Craig run. <laughs> I, I was like, what I have we no fucking idea if Craig is fast. <laughs> That's the point, though. It's like everyone's just like, this is obvious. We're like, what are you talking about? No in between. So, no one's like, I see both I sides. I think the... If I'm being like very genuine. I don't even think I'm fast. I would consider myself athletic. I don't think I'm fast. <laughs> yeah, okay. So maybe I, maybe I should like walk back my but crank DK, thing. when you were like 22, you were fast and you think you could beat the 499. Oh, I did. For, I actually did for a fact do it. I was like in the 48. What was your 40? 48 something. I don't know. It was hand timed, of course. So that's all. Give, give or take a tenth of a second. But I don't trust anything with the hand time. Well, it could be literally you were fast Whatever. Here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. I'm basically saying... A, like what Tyson said, a moderately athletic 20-year-old can run a sub-540. That's how kind of how I look at Craig. No offense, Heifetz. Craig seems more athletic. <laughs> um, but I'm ba I'm barely in my 20s. <laughs> oh, Craig, geez. you're fucking... The fact that that was... You're a washed 28-year-old oh, washed, washed 20, or whatever. Um, 29. So somebody somebody uh, tweeted at me on, on Twitter that a sub-540 is like roughly equates to like 17, 18 miles an hour. Which is it seems fast. It's it's fast, but I like again back in my days, in my college days, like I trained with guys that were running twenty miles an hour on a treadmill. So like for a fact, they were running faster than that. Also, hold up, the, this Roger Goodell ran a five four, dude. Rich Eisen actually trains for that when he does it for charity. He runs like a five nine, like a like a six two. Roger Goodell then putting out he ran a five four. That's like when North Korea said that Kim Jong Un <laughs> shot like a twenty three in golf. That's like oh, Trump. That's like Trump, Trump just had his physical. He's two hundred and twenty pounds, <laughs> dude. Roger Goodell. There, I, there is no goddamn way Roger Goodell ran a five four one forty yard dash. He's six three two twenty. Yeah, it's like Kim Chancellor essentially. Um, per perfect cholesterol, blood pressure's <laughs> right where you want to be. I had a perfect health assessment. Yeah, sure. Yo, what um, hand timed by an NFL vision. employee? Anyways, it just gave bottom, line, too easy. bottom line for everyone that's super triggered by this, obviously it's partly a bit on my part. I've never even seen Craig run. I just think a moderate, I do believe in my heart of hearts because I've done it and I've seen it. A moderately athletic 20 something can run a five, five. So I just still, I know, I, I know that I should know this by now, but if you ran a four, eight, 
then how does DeAndre Hopkins run like a four six? Like I don't. This get is it. why it's shocking. This is why Jake Bobo running a a four nine nine is like mystifying to me because he's you know a what? very the good implication. <laughs> the Amon Ra, what did Amon Ra, Amon Ra is the best example. Like Amon Ra St. Brown, what did he run? 4-7. I think he ran a 4-7. Keenan like, Allen ran a 4-7. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, I like Amon Ra because he's also like kind of young. Um, he ran a 4-6-1. The implication is that DK could, in a straight line, basically almost cover Amon Ra St. Brown on a go Well, run, like. Which is like. <laughs> that, like 20, that just, 20 I, years that, ago, but yes. Okay, 20 years ago, <laughs> the fact that you could guard Amon Ross St. Brown, be slightly trailing him with the balls on the throw, and you could deflect. That really, like, the bottom, defies this is why my, This is the perfect example of why the 40-time is overrated. In fact, by the way, the 40-time correlates negatively with, like, production at the receiver position. Right, right. I want slow This guys. needs to be the central thesis of our draft right. um, coverage this year. It's actually, it's like, like, we need Scott Barrett, my buddy from uh, Fantasy Points, has, like, done the research on this. It's, like, actually a negative correlation. Like, 40-speed, like, all... they. The four three guys get completely overdrafted, and so they it's not- a red herring. Well, well yeah, it, I most feel like it masks all the problems. Yeah, it yeah. like it like puts stucco over all the holes in the wall if you're fast. Oh, someone's got a renovated condo. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Someone opened up those walls, found some moisture. DK, right now, if me and Jake Bobo race, who do you think wins? Jake Bobo. So I, that he runs a four nine nine. Well, he ran. A, I think he that ran that has a four nine nine. He ran a four nine nine at the combine, I think, and then he he ran like a four eight something at his pro day. So he's like. He's, he's faster than he actually ran Wait, the combine, but... you know what else we don't do, which I actually think would change? And I've never thought of this. I've always been like, why, the track stance, like, it annoys me that they start from that, and that's not football. Pads, helmet. I always think they should hold the fucking football. But, like, you know what I'm realizing? You know, like, in in, in racing, like, with Seabiscuit, there's a movie, like, the horse runs faster when it sees the other horses next to him. If we ran the 40 guys, like, side by side... Don't you think they might run a little faster just naturally just it's like, like racing the other dude? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like kind of funny. Like, I don't know. I feel like it'd be interesting That's to see fun. who runs harder. They should line up like 15 of them. Like, it's literally like a track event. Would save a lot of time. Yeah. It's also, certain. it's like, uh, to be totally clear and to wrap this up, like the 40 as it's done in the combine is like 60% technique. And like, obviously, it does matter how fast you are in real <laughs> life. But like the start, um, like if you watch them do it, they put, they keep their head down for the first like 15 yards. It's like no, this, none of this is actually going to apply to the football field. You're not so running, silly. you're not running with your face, face, facing the ground. We should just get rid route. of it. Just yeah. fully ignore it. Uh, yeah. I think, honestly, I think the Rams do. Okay. We'll talk about this more with the NFL draft show. Thank you everyone listening. I, if you listen to this and you're actually spending Thanksgiving day with us, thank you so much. And, um, it's. Like, we hope that uh, you have a wonderful holiday. And if you're spending any part of your Thanksgiving weekend, listeners, hope you had a wonderful holiday. And um, I hope you made a lot of money when Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling <laughs> had like 300 yards today. Um, we are thankful for everyone listening in all seriousness. Like, it's so cool that so many people spend um, so much time with us. And we we really, truly, um, from the bottom of our heart, like, thank you, everyone, for listening. And for writing in. We, we get so many tweets and emails and DMs and I, that stuff goes a long way. We, we appreciate it. We try to get back to as many people as we can. But it shows that uh, how much you guys care and how much you enjoy the show. And we really appreciate it. And the, the feeling is mutual. So thank you. Absolutely. I'm thankful for you too, Goons. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> thankful for uh, Kai, who's not here. Thankful for Jesse, who's the man. Filling in Jesse. for Kai here. Shout out, Jesse. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, everyone behind the scenes. Thank you. And again, thank you, everyone, for listening. It's um, It's been a really fun ride. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Girl Talk. Nice. I don't, what, what's what's Girl Talks? Like, give me he a did, run. He down. does mashups, or did. I don't know if he's still doing any, but. Uh, oh, is he like your two friends? My two friends? Two friends is like the, he makes like, it's like oh, yeah. TikTok for oh, music. That, I know TikTok a, has yeah, music, yeah. but it's like if that was like a I guess so. playlist. Is he is he active or is this like a like a growing up thing? I don't think he does it anymore. Uh, he was like really popular in I would say like the two thousands. I I just went to his Wikipedia. His name is Greg Gillis. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing about it is, uh, if <laughs> you know how like in the under the background information it tells you a bunch of stuff. Next to instruments, it just says laptop. <laughs> <laughs> real is real talk. An instrument. <laughs> It's Pittsburgh. That's like where we're, we're artists. Too. Our art, our yeah. art form is the three podcast. of us are artists. Our instrument is microphone. <laughs> dude, this is the end. He's like, hey, dude, you like video games? That's art. <laughs> that's that's art. You're you're the art. Uh, that's good though. I don't know if he's instrument still doing it. Or not, does it say he's only forty two.
Yeah, he's like my age. Uh, his stuff is actually really good, though. Like he does, um, he does mashups with like a whole bunch of songs where he'll overlay like three or four different songs together, and then he'll do little, you know, like teasers of a song coming up. Like he'll do like the the drum beat of a song that he's gonna sample later. You know what I mean? Like to kind of like warm yeah. you up and get you on the right track. It's really cool. I I really enjoy it. Um, I do like the DJ Earworm style thing. You, yeah, DJ yeah. Earworm was really on it before everybody else. Like he used to do his like year end mashup song. It was essentially like the Spotify wrapped mm-hmm. as a yes. song. It was so good. Yeah. Like it was so cool to be like, oh, here are, here were the 20 biggest songs of the year, like mixed together. It was like really like Spotify should go find him and like bring him back and have him do it again because it, that's, wow, it's that's really interesting. Call. I like that. Also, you guys ever looked up the, the someone took all like the top country songs. It's called like the country medley or something, and it's like a thing of all the top country songs from like the number one songs and number two songs of like 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, all blended together and they're all the same song. That was more about pop, but it's just like it's pretty incredible. The same song is in like they all sound exactly the someone same. like went in a garage band and like isolated all the tracks. And oh. so it's like they just took they just start playing like the vocals over and they all, it's all like the same song or they just start <laughs> flipping the parts together and just sticking choruses with the different like drums. And, and they're like, yeah, it's just like, it all, it all works together. Uh, I'm reading, I'm reading girl talks wiki now. So his second album, or I don't know if it's second or whatever, but feed the animals is a really good album. Uh, it was number four on times top 10 albums in 2008. Rolling, wow. Rolling Stone gave the album four stars, number 24 on their top 50 albums in 2008. Blender rated as the second best recording album of 2008. So it was like, wow. it was big in my, in like those mid 2000 years, 2006, 2008 or whatever. Night Ripper is another really good album. If you like, Night if you're Ripper. like a, a, a music nerd, I, I think personally he does a lot of stuff of like sampling really old music too and like mixing it together with new stuff. So. Personally, me, I, I would go back and like try and find the songs that he was like putting in there. So it's pretty cool. I said sampling, but I meant like mashing up. Very cool. Yeah. I'm going to mash up these theaters. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everyone. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit one 800 gambler.net West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.